so grateful that God continues to be on the move and even prepare different generations for service and for worship as well. Um, and thank you for that offering prayer too. We have an offering box back there too. We're not doing the traditional passing around of the offering bucket during this time, but you can give online and we also have a, a contact-free uh, way to give right in the back of the sanctuary as well. And uh, Jacob will put some of the instructions on how to be able to do that right next to uh, that box. And um, yeah, we're just uh, glad for all that God continues to do um, during this time and this spring as we're really experimenting with this whole idea of both in-person with protocols and live streaming options for worship. And uh, as was mentioned in the announcements video, we have Discipleship Tuesdays here from 6 to um, 7.30 p.m. on Tuesdays, and we look forward to seeing you this coming Tuesday as well. We'll be doing that in person with protocols and live streaming as well. And also, I'm glad to announce that on March 12th, we're going to be having a fire pit and worship night over at Evergreen Island in Tulare. That's the property of uh, the Madrids, of some of our church leaders here. They've uh, graciously opened up their property uh, once again so that we can have our annual fire pit and worship night. And I'm really excited because the, real, the main theme and the main purpose of that time will be to come together safely and worship and also to have it be focused on children and families. I know that this whole year has been really tough on children and families and so we want to, as a church community, have a special time for children and families to just enjoy together. And that's going to be March 12th at Evergreen Island in Tulare. That's where we did our outside service last fall. And we'll give you more information, address, and all of that. But 6 p.m. March 12th at Evergreen Island Fire Pit and Worship Night for all and especially our children and families. So please mark your calendar for that. Also find ways to stay connected online as well. We put all of our resources there, um, podcasts we have uh, on on Spotify and on wherever you get your podcast as well. If you need to catch up with the sermon or get connected with God, we have resources for you on all of our online platforms. And you can find all of that on our website, imago.church. Well, now we're going to be able to open up the Word of God and continue in our time of worship. And today's scripture reading will come from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. So you can go ahead and open up in your Bibles. We have Bibles in the back, or if you have your app, or if you're at home, following along with your Bible and, and your notes, we're going to be in Ephesians 1, 1 to 10. And you can also follow along with God's Word, which will be on the projector Ephesians 1, 1 to 10. Ephesians capítulo 1, versículos 1 al 10, for those that are following along in Spanish. Let's hear now with open ears and open hearts from the book that we love, from the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship and daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we just pray that you would prepare us to hear your precious, precious word, Lord. Meet us in the questions. Meet us in our doubts, in our frustrations, in our anxieties, Lord. Meet us in our loneliness as well, God. Would you be the one that accompanies us, Lord, that comforts us with the true comfort that only you can give, Lord. Some of us have felt that sense of isolation and discomfort in, that, in, in this, these past 12 months, Lord God. But Lord, I just pray that we would be able to receive the true comfort, the true peace that comes from drawing near to you and entering into your presence and holding on to your promises, Lord. We love you and we just pray that today, Lord, you would fill us with purpose, speak to us, God, in a way that is fresh and clear in the, through your word today, Lord. Thank you, God, that you are constantly at work in restoring us and, as Ephesians said, in bringing unity to all things under Christ. We love you, Lord, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. At Imago Church, we love to remind one another that our identity is in the image of God and our purpose is in the image of Christ. In 2021, we're actually proactively making a disciple shift. We introduced that last week because Jesus calls us to follow him. And at Imago Church, we exist for that reason. We exist to be disciples who make disciples disciples. And in fact, that's the end in mind. That's the point of the church community. When uh, for, That's the end in mind for Imago, for our Sunday services, for all of our events. It's this. It's that we would cultivate mature disciples who reflect Jesus Christ in their lives, words, and actions. So again, what's the point of Sunday service, of events, of worship, of preaching? It's that we would cultivate mature disciples who reflect Jesus in our lives, in our words, and in our actions. That's why every single Sunday we take time to worship. 
We worship through praise and fellowship. All of that is absolutely essential. So that's why even in this time of pandemic, we haven't stopped. We've continued to worship even in creative ways. And we're going to continue to do that. But let's remember, friends, brothers, sisters, that worship is actually a celebration. It's a celebration of all that God has done from Monday through Saturday. What God is up to in our lives from Monday through Saturday, that is called our discipleship. Discipleship is each person's relationship and journey with Jesus. Because that's what Jesus calls us to. Jesus calls us on a journey to follow him. All the apostles, the invitation that he gave them was to follow him on a journey. And as we follow Jesus, we will experience different stages of growth and discipleship. The first stage of discipleship, and we talked a little bit about this last week, but stage one is to connect, to connect with God through relationship, to begin to experience transformation and to begin to experience that responsiveness and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit in each one of our lives. Then stage two is to grow and to mature. You know, for so many people, um, so many Christians and uh, or those that have been in churches for many years and decades, it's possible to just get stuck in that first stage of discipleship, of just connection. But stage two is growing and maturity. God calls us to grow and mature spiritually to begin to live out the gospel authentically and to begin to love one another as God loves us, to be in relationship, in covenant, and involvement with the people of God, the church. That's why we create different opportunities throughout the week and throughout the year to be able to go deeper in our discipleship. Then stage three in our discipleship journey is serving. I always get so excited to see people use their gifts to serve the kingdom of God, serving others joyfully out of a heart of gratitude for God. And then stage four, and this is what we really want to cultivate as a part of who we are as a church community in 2021 and in the years to come, is the stage four of discipleship is multiplying that we would multiply, that we would embrace our God-given shape and our God-given spiritual gifts, our personality, our story, all of that, and use it all for God's glory as we multiply disciples, as we pass on the good news as well. Now here's, here's the bottom line when it comes to our discipleship. In order to make or multiply disciples, then you need to be a disciple. I can't multiply what I'm not. I can only multiply who I am. You and I, it's the same deal. You can only multiply who you are. You or I, we do not multiply what we say. We do not multiply what we think or what our good intentions are. You and I only multiply who we are. That's why Jesus himself says that you will know my disciples, you will know them by their fruit. Again, not just their thoughts, not just their good intentions, not just 
what they, they think or sing or view or whatever it may be, but you will know them by their fruit. That's Matthew 7.20. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them, says Jesus. So we're praying that in 2021, we're not just going to settle for quick results, but we're going to seek after real eternal fruit. Real eternal fruit that can be multiplied. The passage that we read this morning in the book of Ephesians, uh, just a little bit of background on Ephesians, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And in fact, uh, a lot of the vision and mission of Imago Church came straight out of the book of Ephesians. And later on this year, we're going to be spending some very focused time in Ephesians. But Ephesians was written around the year 62, so that's just approximately 30 years after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the letter to the Ephesians, he probably wrote it when he was under house arrest in Rome during his missionary journeys. And in Ephesians, there are two main themes in this book, and we see it in Ephesians 1 already. And the first main theme is really God sharing with us his dreams. Yes, everyone has dreams, even God. And this is what I like to call Ephesians really shares with us God-sized dreams. And the first God-sized dream is this. In Ephesians 1, we read that Jesus Christ has restored all of creation to himself and to God. And then two, we see that Jesus Christ has unified from all nations, tribes, and tongues. He's unified to himself a new group of people called the church, his family, God's new humanity. So, We see here in Ephesians that God calls a people, a new people, a new humanity. Not only creations, but now children. We see here in Ephesians that everyone has a family, even God, and his family is called the church. And I'm talking about the church with a big C, right? It's even who we've been in this last year. While we've been apart, we've continued to be the church, God's family, because the church is made up of Christians, of those who follow Jesus. And a Christian is someone who places their faith and their functional trust in Jesus Christ. The God that we worship and gather around is truly the God of all nations, tribes, tongues, and languages. The Holy Spirit is the great translator, the great connector, the one who connects us to God and by his grace connects us to each other and makes a new community, a new humanity. God helps us to embrace our God-given culture. This is part of the gift of God making us unique in the way that we are. We're called to embrace our own God-given culture But at the same time, by the grace of God, we can celebrate the cultural uniqueness of our sisters or brothers in Christ and together make one new community. That's who we are. The family of God carrying on the mission of Jesus as witnesses of God's good news, what we talked about last week, as witnesses of the gospel. We're a sent community empowered by the Holy Spirit to reflect the kingdom of God with a new identity, new purpose, and even a new address. Our new address is in Christ. 
So here at Imago Church, we're a community gathered in worship in order that we may be sent as witnesses to this good news, to this gospel, to receive it, to pass it on, to share it, and to multiply it. And truly, really, God calls us on a mission, and it's this. We are witnesses of an eternal story. Witnesses of the eternal story of God's salvation for all of humanity in Christ Jesus. Witnesses of a God-sized dream which we read about in Ephesians 1 that God would bring all things to unity under Christ. We witness to the story of the hope of Christ through restored relationships. And this same good news that we're gathered around here this morning, whether in person or online, this same good news that gathers us today was the same story, the same gospel, the same good news that was witnessed by this community of early Christians in an ancient city by, in, by the name of Ephesus. This ancient city was actually in modern-day Turkey. So you can even go today and see some of the remains of Ephesus today. But in, it was to these early Christians that Paul wrote about these God-sized dreams. He wrote, that's really what the theme of Ephesians is. What God's goals and dreams are for humanity and creation. Hope through, hope through relationships, restored relationships with God, creation, and each other that God would renew and restore something precious that has been broken. This restoration was accomplished through the work of God, through the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. These God-sized dreams are recognized and received, as the book of Ephesians emphasizes in chapter 2, they're received by faith alone and grace alone. Now, these are words that we've probably heard in churches before. You've probably used them or heard of them before. But what exactly do they mean? Faith, right? One of the best definitions that I've ever had of faith is that faith is simply acceptance. Faith is the acceptance of what God has done through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Accepting that God's word is true. That's faith, and what exactly is grace? Again, again, another huge theme in the book of Ephesians. If you've been in Sunday school or you grew up in church or you've read something about this, you've heard that grace can be defined in the following way. That grace is an undeserved gift, an undeserved gift of God. Now, that's one way to understand it, but if we dig deeper on what exactly is grace, we find out that the grace of God is also the choice of God. It's who God chooses to be, and it's what God chooses to do. Grace is also the work of God. The grace of God is who he chooses to be. God chooses to save us. He chooses to restore us back to himself and to each other. No one forced him to do so. No one convinced him to do so. He chose to save us and to be God to us. The grace of God is also what Paul calls here in Ephesians 1. The grace of God is also the election of God. He elected to save us. 
He elected to save us for the sake of gifting us with sonship and daughtership. And he does this through adoption, as it talks about there in Ephesians 1. Now, our lives are meant to be lived as a gratitude to the grace of God, as a gratitude to the initiative and the work of God. So when we hear about the election of God or even the predestination of God like we, like we see here in Ephesians 1, we have to understand that all in the light of God's love and God's grace for us. So let's just go ahead and go through those verses one more time in Ephesians 1 beginning at verse 3 if we can get them on the, the projector. Begin to understand this whole concept of the grace of God through election and predestination. So Ephesians 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love He predestined us for adoption to sonship and daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So as we hear about this, I just want to be really clear Let's be clear that when we hear or read about the election or the predestination of God, one thing that I is my biggest piece of advice is do not be afraid. This is good news. There's nothing to fear. But this is actually something to be grateful for. In order to understand this a bit more clearly, it's really going to require a bit of a shift in our thinking about election or predestination. Maybe we, some of our old ways of thinking about it or whatever it may be. But my really good friend, who's a pastoral mentor of mine, he once helped me understand how to, understand, how to really engage with and understand God's election and adoption He said this, he actually said to me that he truly began to understand this image of God's election and adoption um, through when he himself went through the adoption process. He was a foster parent. He and his wife were foster parents and they went through a process of adopting two young girls. And when he and his wife went through this process, he, he told me something really profound that I'm never going to forget. He said, you know, I've learned, Carlos, that in our, when, when we, as parents, when we have children, when we procreate, we actually are taking part in the ministry of creation. But when we're foster parents and when we adopt, we're actually taking part in the ministry of adoption. God is both a, <laughs> a, a, uh, a, a parent that creates and a parent that adopts. That's who God is. And in fact, it's been beautiful for Charlotte and I to know these two girls that our good friends adopted. They're good family friends of ours. We've known them since they were two or three years old, and we've played a bit of an aunt and uncle kind of role in their life. And now they're both almost 18 years old and graduating from high school. It's pretty amazing. 
But the image of God's election is really similar to that, to the image of foster parents adopting children. Now, it's not the, and and now just to be clear, so when we read about election here or adoption, it's not just some random lottery, which I know some people can think that it is that way, that God's election is just some random lottery and they're constantly living in fear. No, it's not that. But we can only understand election and predestination when we understand two of the primary qualities of God. And that first quality is the love of God. And that second quality is the grace of God. So in order to understand God's election for the sake of adoption, we must understand them in light of God's love and of God's grace. The best way that I can explain it is this. If you're anything like me and you've ever felt those moments of vulnerability or insecurity or fear, this is how God engages us. He sees you in that. God sees us in our weaknesses. God sees you. He sees me. He sees that sometimes we're hurt. Sometimes we're wounded. Sometimes we have a feeling of not belonging anywhere. Sometimes feeling like an orphan without a home. God sees us. And because of his love and grace, he says, I choose you. I choose you. I elect to be your God. And I elect for you to be my son or my daughter. I adopt you into my family. I'm giving you a new name in Christ. I'm giving you a new address in Christ. I'm giving you a new beginning and a new birth certificate in Christ. Now anyone who's familiar with the adoption process knows that regardless of the age of when a child is adopted, that child receives a brand new birth certificate. The good news of God is that because of Jesus, God gives us a brand new birth certificate. God gives us a whole new beginning. And when we read about election and predestination in Scripture, we're actually reading about the amazing grace of God and we're reading about the passionate love of God because to elect is to make a choice. We're reading about God's free choices. God says, I choose to be God to you. That's my election. That's what I choose. Place your trust and faith in Jesus and because of him, God says, I choose to call you my son. I choose to call you my daughter. I'm giving you a new identity. I'm giving you a new purpose, a new beginning, and a new story in Christ. God chooses to gift us with the gift of restored hope through relationships. He gifts us with identity, with purpose. He gifts us with calling. I love how we sang that song earlier today. I am a child of God. It's a reaffirmation of who we're called to be. You and I are who we are called to be. That's who you are. That's who we are. 
Our confidence comes from our calling. I want to be clear about that. In 2020 and 2021, our confidence calls from our, our confidence comes from our calling, not from our circumstances. Because as we've seen in these past 12 months, circumstances come and go. But the calling of God remains the same. He calls you beloved. He calls you beloved son and he calls you precious daughter. That's who you are. You are called the sons and daughters of the Most High. You know who you are because you know whose you are. That's the place to start. That's the place to build a foundation to be rooted and grounded in. You and I will know who we are when we remember whose we are. And this is the beginning of God-sized dreams that we read about in the book of Ephesians. This is a shift, a disciple shift, a shift in understanding and realizing that God has restored all of creation back to himself in Christ. God restores us back to each other in Christ. And we are called by God. And when we place our hope, our faith, and our trust in Jesus, we are adopted as sons and daughters of the Almighty God. Sons and daughters that are adopted into sonship and into daughtership. Sonship and daughtership with a new identity, a new name, a new purpose, and hallelujah, by the grace of God and the love of God, you have a new birth certificate, a new story, a new beginning. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we are grateful, and we ask God that you would help us to lean in and to yield to you, to your nudging, to your calling, to who we really are, God. May we not base our identity in what others call us or in what we call ourselves. May we not base our hope on circumstances, Lord, that come and go. The way things are this year are not the way they were three years ago, and the way that they are this year are not how they're going to be three years from now, Lord. So, God, I just pray that we would stop placing our hope, our identity, our trust in sinking sand, Lord. Help us to place that true hope, that living hope, that true trust in that which will not fail. And that's your calling, God. You call us to draw near to you, God. You call us, Lord God, to be able to, to trust in you. All other ground is sinking sand, God. Help us, Lord, to receive and accept, Lord, just this gift that you've given, you've given us be sons and daughters of the Almighty God, into sonship and into daughtership, Lord God.
teach us what that means to abide in you in a new address in Christ, a new identity, a new name, a new purpose, and with a brand new birth certificate that you give us, Lord, through the precious gift of of adoption, God. You didn't have to, but you chose to be gracious to us, to be God to us, Lord. So, Lord, right now, we just pray that you would ingrain that in our hearts and in our minds. We love you, Lord, and we pray all of this in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen.